pretty much everything rolls off from the Silver Eagle down. I mean, if you've been watching this market for the last 12 years, you understand that when the premiums on Silver Eagle start to go up, premiums on virtually everything else starts to go up. And so the uh, expectation that somehow they'll be you know, thinning out the premiums in the coming months, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. My friends, Chris Marcus here with you from Arcadia Economics. Back in the Silver Vault today as we have another Silver Rally. Seems like almost a daily occurrence, especially since gold. Um, now, I know gold crossing through $2,000 was pretty shocking to Ben Bernanke. Um, and uh, it was also shocking to uh, investment banks like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, who just perplexed about what fundamentals could be supporting that. Apparently they don't catch any of Jerome Powell's press conferences. So how fortunate that rather than any of those folks, we have James Anderson joining us today, who uh, has actually been writing about this and making videos. Uh, what are you in year 12 now, James? Or Yeah, yeah, a dozen years. That's true. Yeah, so... Um, fortunately, you seem to be able to understand it just fine. Uh, you helped a lot of your clients be prepared, not only for insolvent governments and the Federal Reserve's hyperinflation campaign, but now that the rally has finally started, um, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, Wednesday afternoon, up another 79 cents. Um, so James, it's a pleasure to have you on in here. And... First of all, excuse my manners, how are you today, my friend? I'm good, Chris. It's good to be here with you and your uh, followers. Yeah, well, James, we got a lot to dig into. Uh, obviously, I know you have a little bit of a scoop of the Silver Eagle premiums, although for anyone who might be new to gold and silver, um, or put better yet, if you had anyone, uh, there's anyone from Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan or Ben Bernanke's office watching that is just unable to comprehend or grasp it. But let me just end by saying that nobody really understands gold prices, and I don't uh, pretend to really understand them either. <laughs> thank you. Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. What, what would you say to them? Why is gold not only crossing through its previous all-time high of 1920, then soaring through 2000, and it looks like it has no plans of slowing down for now? Why is that happening? It's the store of value bid. I mean, that's the main point. People are afraid of losing their store of value. If they have capital saved or they have cash on the sidelines and they wanted to put it to work, um, maybe not in this environment. Maybe they won't, don't want to put it in unsecured stocks. You know, they, they'd rather have it for uh, future. Um, and I think people understand, you know, last week, John Authors, he had a really important article that he published in Bloomberg, which was, it was pretty impressive to see that published in Bloomberg, uh, where he essentially was saying he sounded like he was writing for Silver Doctors or for, uh, you know, for, for SD Bullion blog or something, you know, something extremely bullish the way he sounded. He basically, he was stating that there could be a, 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 a bank run, essentially, on, on gold, uh, on physical gold. And that the comics is essentially switched into now like a physical exchange, not like it used to be, where it was just... It's highly leveraged fractional reserve. There'd be barely any physical swapping at the end of the contract terms. And now it's record record amounts. And it, he was describing the other reportables category of the uh, exchange. And 
saying that it's mostly high net worth, um, family office types. Uh, and that, you know, for people that don't really understand how much money the, the Uber elite have in the United States, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. If you ever want to like understand how little money you have compared to some of these estates, I mean, just go look up, uh, let's see, it's Credit Suisse's uh, Global Wealth Report. And in it, there's a chart that uh, just takes my breath away anytime I look at it, thinking about it. There's over 80,000 estates in the United States that have over $50 million in uh, asset values. And that's on paper. That's, that's literally findable on paper. We don't even know what's not being reported. So 80,000 estates with over $50 million in net, in net worth, you would think a lot of them are looking at the situation right now and thinking having some gold bullion, maybe even some beta bet silver bullion, makes good sense. And uh, that's what John Authors was referring to. And I think that's what's really happening here. We're having a massive move of smart money, you know, big money coming into these funds, into the comics, um, into the physical bullion uh, market as, you know, in, in terms of coins and bars, et cetera. And, and that's why you're seeing all this incredible flow. I and mean, it's just amount, the amount of cash that we've talked about for years is finally flowing into this uh, sector. And it's, it's impressive, you know, it's impressive to see silver and gold react the way they should when we have people talking like uh, infinite uh, currency creation, we'll do whatever it takes, you know, I mean, they just, they say things that are just hyperbolic and uh, gold and silver should react as such. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm sure a lot of those 80,000 might be looking at my basement here and thinking, uh, I, <laughs> um, I guess the only thing I would, uh, was a little curious about with what you mentioned about John Authors. He thought there might be a run on the Comex gold. I don't know, might be. I mean, James. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. It's is it appropriate to say that we are in the middle of a run on Comex gold? I mean, either I know a lot of people say the numbers and the data is, is fraudulent, which it could well be, but at least on the surface of it, we're already in that run, aren't we? Yeah, and that, the thing. First off, John Authors as a as a financial uh, journalist is not to be trusted. I mean, completely. Uh, just to know his history, I mean, the guy's a self-admitted guy. During the 2008 financial crisis, he self-admitted this writing for the Financial Times. He ran into Citibank, you know, worried about his uh, his checking account, and, and uh, there was a whole line of bankers there in Wall Street who knew that their checking accounts could go bust if City went bust, and so he literally had to sit down with one of the bankers there and change his checking account to, you know, all his, you know, his, his sons and daughters names. So there would be FDIC coverage for all of them. Right. And so he didn't, he didn't mention that at all when he was reporting uh, uh, for the financial times, because, you know, he figured it's important for him to take care of himself, but not to yell fire in a crowded movie theater, I guess, you know, so I mean, that's the integrity we're talking about. So he'll leave details out that are good for him or his organization and probably rationalize it years later and, and you know, self-admit it later. So take anything that he publishes with a grain of salt. I mean, he does have self-interest involved and he's going to um, censor some of the things that he knows. Uh, the question though that you're asking about the run on it, I mean, look, we haven't seen yet uh, a massive withdrawal out of uh, the comics yet. I've not seen huge flows being pulled out and that's what I want to start seeing. Because people, if they stay in that exchange, are, I think, kind of naive to think that it's going to hold up, you know, the next five, ten years. It could. What I want to start seeing is that the actual, these high net worth people are smart enough to yank it out of the comics and go stick it in Loomis in their direct account or Brinks in their direct account 
and um, you know, let comics deal with whatever, <laughs> whatever uh, they, they claim is their market making process in the future. Um, I don't think there's going to be a complex uh, comics default because they can always, they can always uh, just you know settle in cash. So it may just become a hologram more or less of a of a, of a price discovery market where there's not as much physical involved. But right now there's a, there's a huge amount of physical, as you know, Chris. And one of the things I key on I've been watching lately is. Um, the record amounts of Swiss gold bar imports into the United States. And this just really happened since COVID, since March. So um, that that amount of gold that's coming out of Switzerland is, is essentially what was happening in the 2010s with China. It's basically the same amount of gold is now flowing into the United States. So well, us dummies in the United States waited till gold got to $2,000 an ounce before we finally started buying in physical uh, in the amounts that we should have been buying when it was half the price and letting China get it at 50% discount. But hey, you know, better late than never. $2,000 gold, I think eventually is gonna look back as being a good price. Um, when it's three, four, 5,000 bucks, you're gonna be wishing you had bought a lot of $2,000 gold bars. Um, so, I mean, that's effectively what we're, what we're looking at. The, the question, again, longer term is, is how's the comics gonna hold up? How much of this gold and silver is actually gonna get withdrawn? And I'm expecting it to, to, to happen at some point. I'm expecting people to start withdrawing it and, and taking it directly into their own direct accounts and non-bank storage facilities. Like uh, like I mentioned, Loomis, Brinks, Malka, Mid, G4S, all these places. If you have millions of dollars, you can get a direct account with them. It's not, this is not hard. This is not rocket science. So um, my guess is that's what's going to be coming. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I know a lot of folks, myself included, are curious. <laughs> how we can get a silver chalice like you have over there. Um, this is, and also, there uh, the, yeah, um, <laughs> who knows, maybe J.P. Morgan will be coming in for chalice to meet delivery <laughs> these days. Uh, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens September uh, for silver. Yeah. I mean, you've seen these numbers get bigger and bigger. Um, although, James, along the lines of silver, I know you've been talking about the Silver Eagles. And I've been hearing that wholesale silver getting harder to find, uh, premiums have been going up. And uh, what can you share with us there? So I, you know, for SD Bullion, I make videos, um, you know, every week, typically that are market updates, bullion related updates. And uh, last week I did two of them. One of them was about the US Mint. And um, I was not accurate in some of my claims. Uh, First off, I, I, you know, I don't buy directly. Uh, I'm not the inventory management guy at SD Bullion. There's another shrewd dude who, uh, who came and corrected me after he saw the video. Uh, he told me that the APs are now getting charged 250 per ounce, not the old $2. I think that change happened sometime this year, um, but it happened recently, I think. So now the U.S. Mint charges, uh, you know, 250 over spot uh, for the for the distribution process that they have, only a certain amount of dealers can actually buy this. They buy in huge lots, and then it kind of moves down the chain from there. So think about it, you have you know, you have know, $2.50 over spot. I mean, right now it doesn't seem as dramatic, but when, it was, when silver was down at $12, $13 spot, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic premium in, in percentage comparison terms. But um, the big news on the US Man, this is a rumor that I got basically through our purchasing department. And you know, this is what he's told, told me is that, you know, obviously there's problems with COVID and, uh, and people in a manufacturing process being in close proximity to one another. You know, Bloomberg recorded a bunch of things saying that, uh, 
you know, the U.S. Mint was essentially saying that they could only do, they have to focus on one product and, and they're asking their distribution network, what products should that be? And <laughs> the distribution network is going to tell them Silver Eagles because they're making a mint on selling those products, right? The premiums on them are huge. And so they're going to want more Silver Eagles and that's what they're going to get. But the problem is, is I think the long, this plan for 2020 Usually the U.S. Mint will uh, evaporate in, in existence in like November. They pretty much disappear. And that's usually the timeline. But this year, I think it's special. They're going to end at the end of September, right? So they're going to blow out as many Silver Eagles as they can, they can produce probably this month and next. And um, there's only going to be so many that will be available then from October, November, December. Supposedly the U.S. Mint's coming back in January. What that means is, yeah, they'll come back in January and they'll be ready to sell 2021. 2021 issuance, but it's not going to be the new anti-counterfeit design yet. I think the anti-counterfeit design they're planning on dropping is not going to happen until May. So we're going to have two different 2021 versions of the Silver Eagle coin. Um, and that's, I think that's the big news is that this, this waiting and hoping that somehow the U.S. Mint's just going to explode and start you know, knocking out eight, you know, six, seven, eight million, eight million coins per month. That's just not going to happen, I don't think. You might see you might see them push out one mega load in September, um, but what you're going to see are the people, the distribution network is going to buy up that mega load, and they're going to keep sharp sharp elbows, and they're going to keep premiums high, and pretty much everything rolls off from the Silver Eagle down. I mean, if you've been watching this market for the last 12 years, you understand that when the premiums on Silver Eagle start to go up, premiums on virtually everything else starts to go up, and so the uh, expectation that somehow they'll be, you know, thinning out the premiums in the coming months. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the situation is a lot of people expected that if spot price climbed, then, you know, it would get closer to premium, but here's what's happening. <laughs> Essentially they're, they're floating together up, up in the way. And I mean, you look right now, silver Eagles are selling in mid thirties uh, per ounce, which is, it's incredible. Those only a month or two ago, it wasn't even close to that level. So, um, it's just amazing how fast it's gone. And I think people just need to understand the timeline here. This is uh, the shortage situation in silver is not going away, at least until the first half of 2021. Yeah, and I guess uh, my next follow-up question is, uh, do you buy that reasoning from uh, the U.S. Mint? Um, you know, I had Andrew McGuire on yesterday. He was talking about how a wholesale level in London – Bars are very hard to come by. You know, uh, I'm sure you heard when Eric Sprott mentioned a couple of months ago that large dealers are calling him, you know. And, um, and I guess another thing, as you were saying, you know, whether they could produce a couple million coins per month. I'm not saying this is this, exactly the same, but we did take a tour to the Denver Mint last year, and they said mm -hmm. they mint 30 million coins per day. Now, those are the dimes, pennies, quarters, and nickels. Um, but I guess it just always – and doesn't the Mint also have a mandate where they're legally required to keep producing those coins? So there's a few things. Uh, first thing is they don't – they don't – they're not, like, vertically integrated. Like, the U.S. Mint is pathetic in terms of, like, they don't hedge. They, they, they use vendors for hedging. They, they don't make the planchettes. They use vendors for the planchettes. And so if you're having manufacturing issues not only in your U.S. Mint, but there's also – private manufacturers that you're using for the planchettes that also have COVID restrictions. So it's bottlenecking a whole bunch of things. The question is, you know, whether or not you can get enough silver and stuff like that. I think you can source enough silver at the moment still to be able to pull it off. It's just a question of time, you know, time and manpower with all these restrictions. 
um, you know, the safe distance between each other. I mean, I think that's the biggest bottleneck right now is, is the, and I do buy that. I, I just think they're not, they're not as efficient as they once were with pre COVID. And, and especially during the heyday of, of silver Eagles, when you're talking like 2011 to 2015, I mean, they knocked out 40, 50 million a year and, uh, we're not going to come close to that. We might get halfway maybe this year, which is pretty good, you know, given the restrictions. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just bash the U.S. Mint. Um, I will bash the U.S. Treasury. And, you know, they're the ones that are in charge of this entire show. And Steve Mnuchin is the head of it. <laughs> Steve Mnuchin is the head of that. So if you got a problem with the shortage going on, you could, you could file your complaint right to the, uh, the U.S. Treasury Department. Um, but Steve Mnuchin's a pretty busy guy. I mean, him and the Federal Reserve have essentially melded to loot the Treasury. So I'm sure he's got other things going on other than worrying about how many silver eagles are, you know, that the average people can buy and at what price. Do you, do you think Mnuchin, they have to figure he knows what's going on with the metal rigging. I mean, if not directly involved in it, I'm be careful how I phrase that. I, don't let, I mean, it's hard to imagine that he does not know what is going on. I mean, there is a federal department of justice investigation now, uh, what do you think these guys, Trump, Mnuchin, the guys that at least are in the positions of power right now, I mean, we hear, you know, some people think Trump is, uh, you know, uh, returning us to a gold standard. And uh, what, what do you think inside the administration these guys are thinking about gold and silver? You know, I would, I would imagine that they, that they ultimately know that they have to trash the Fiat Federal Reserve note. I mean, that's the way, the easy way out. And the fastest way to trash the Fiat Federal Reserve note is to let gold and silver run. Um, everything kind of leads off there from there. So like they essentially, look, there's a few ways that, that I'm sure Trump wants to make America great again. And, you know, I, I'm sure he, uh, he you know, I, I'm going to take him at his word and, and think that he's thinking that's the case. And in order to do that, you're going to have to debase the promises uh, slowly but surely in this coming years. And by doing that, you're going to have to trash the dollar. And that's, I think, what he wants is a soft dollar. And he wants to see the gold price ramping up. And uh, for us to essentially default on a lot of the promises, we could not keep anyway. So, uh, I mean, it's either default directly and just tell people, sorry, we can't keep the, those promises. Or just, you know, to just trash the currency and then pay it off nominally. And, uh, you know, here's the money. We didn't tell you exactly what it would buy you. I mean, it's not money either. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's not. It's, uh, it's just a a Fiat Federal Reserve note. I mean, that's, uh, that's not a store of value, Jack. I mean, everybody knows the history about how currencies roll and uh, you know, that's going to be just another one in the, in the, in the pantheon of Fiat currency, you know, <laughs> clownage. Uh, this is essentially, we're passing around lies to one another. It's not a store of value. It doesn't, doesn't hold well. I mean, it's down 98.9% uh, versus gold since the central bank took control just over 107 years ago. Um, they're going to go for the last 1.1%. That's what's happening here. So, you know, I think they understand exactly what they're doing. You don't run around saying infinite QE, whatever it takes, without knowing that that's going to trash confidence. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, you can answer this or not. I wonder if, if guys like Mnuchin and Trump have a large allocation in their own personal investments towards gold. And yeah. Any, any thoughts on that one? It's a good question. I mean, if, if, if they don't, um, 
yeah, I would, I would highly doubt that they don't have some, you know, I mean, you would think that they know history and that they kind of know what their policies are going to bring about. Um, you know, the, one of the best bulls out there, you know, one of the, one of the greatest guys to listen to is Scott Menard. And uh, just this late last week, he was back on Bloomberg dunking on Tom Keen. It was pretty good. It's like a one minute clip. I just, I just tweeted it out. <laughs> you can hear him like, like calling out Tom Keen, like how do you like that silver call? You know, it's uh it's in that, by the way, if people never saw that interview when he was in Davos earlier on this year, where they, they essentially, he was saying that the, that the economy is basically a Ponzi scheme. And, and for anyone who understands the, the machinations of how things are operating here, there's a lot of Ponzi to it. And, um, you know, he went on and made huge headlines in Davos by calling essentially this market a Ponzi scheme. And, and they were asking him, uh, so what's your bet? What's your, what's your bet for 2020? And he came with silver right away. And he's been saying this for over a decade now. I mean, he said it in 2011 uh, on Fox Business News when silver was like 32 bucks and headed into a terrible cyclical bear market that we went through. And he was running his mouth even then, just saying this thing's going to go up in flames. This entire system's going to go up in flames. And we're going to look at one another and say, I can't believe we used to use that paper fiat Fed note as a, you know, an exchange of value. And he said, you know, basically back then that silver had the potential of running to 500 bucks. And this year on Bloomberg, he said it has the potential to go exponential. Exponential, that's what the chart looks. It goes directly straight up, looking like Palladium did just a few years back. And, uh, and that's what's happening. You know, that's basically what's been happening. And, and Scott Menard's out there politely dunking on people, which, uh, which is always nice to see. Yeah, and that's an interesting premise that silver might be undervalued. I <laughs> look into that one. Um, Although it's funny you mentioned that he was saying that back since 2011. It's something I've studied myself. And it seems like the only reason that didn't really happen even more so in 2011 and in the time since then was because of the criminal enterprise that you cover on your show quite a bit. Um, a great show, by the way. James, the other night when I was watching, I did, it, I did smash the like button. Yeah. I smashed the share button, too. Um, Excellent. And uh, perhaps you could give people uh, an update and recap of your thoughts of what J.P. Morgan has been up to. Uh, it seems like they're still uh, engaged in a little spoof. Or someone, I want to. I mean, we don't know who's trading what all the time, but it seems like someone's still doing some spoofing out there. But what what is going on with this J.P. Morgan racket? So the allegations against J.P. Morgan go way back, right? I mean, it, it goes all the way back to when they supposedly took over Bear Stearns' uh, naked short, naked silver short desk that bankrupted in uh, 2008, right? There's no more supposed about that. That was one of the things, fortunately, Bart Schultz confirmed for us. So. That's true. Okay. Okay. We could we could talk in facts and then use allegations when it comes to criminality. Yeah. Well, so there there's still um, out of the silver chalice. <laughs> So, so look, I mean, J.P. Morgan's hands are still deep in the silver market. Don't get me wrong. They're still custodian for SLB, and there's a lot of funds running into SLB. And I don't think people understand that, A, you're an unsecured creditor of SLB. B, alleged RICO fraud desk. J.P. Morgan is the custodian there. I believe the, the silver that's supposedly held in that trust is commingled in J.P. Morgan's vault in London. And if, um, if you know anything about the city of London, I mean, it's basically a lawless bankster paradise. I mean, you can do anything in that city, it seems. It's been the case for hundreds of years. So I'm not sure that anything's changed there. So if you're trading an SLB, just know what you're dealing with. It's, um, 
you know, it's, you'll be lucky to get your funds back essentially is what I'm telling you. So you might want to think twice about your counterparties and who you're trusting with, uh, with your silver bets, essentially. I'm not saying you have to go buy silver eagles with massive premiums, but what I am telling you is that you're going to use derivatives. You better be smart about which, one you, which ones you choose. Uh, there's better ones than SLV. I think, by the way, they charge you 50 basis points a year just for the um, privilege of uh, having no security, essentially, and having no silver claim to anything. You just trade the, the, the spot price derivative of the, you know, that chases the spot price, essentially. Um, so JP Morgan, you know, there's a lot of allegations about what they've been up to, you know, whether or not they're going to dump their silver on the market and crash silver and all this such. And it's, it, no one, I don't think fully understands what amount of silver they own directly on their own books and gold on their own books. I mean, Ted Butler out there, he's been, he's been analyzing this for decades. He has numbers and, you know, I publicly told him, I don't believe his silver Eagle claims or his Royal Canadian mint coin claims. And, you know, politely disagreed, agreed to disagree on that, on that uh, point. But he has been right about them slush funding SLV thousand ounce bars for a long time. I mean, like I said, I'm pretty confident that the vault that they used in London is a JP Morgan vault for a lot of the SLV holdings. So um, I, there could be double counting going on. There could be a whole lot of shenanigans going on. There could be leasing back to the fund at, at exorbitant prices. Who knows? You know, I, the bottom line is they're not trustworthy. There's the Department of Justice has a, has a lawsuit out that says for like 10 years they were they were spoofing the prices, the criminal activity, absolute criminality, conspiracies, everything that you ever threw at them is like, go read the stuff that they are being alleged to have done. And, uh, you know, we'll see if those guys get prison terms or not. But anything that JP Morgan touches, stay away from. I mean, that's that's the simple truth of it. I wouldn't wouldn't do business with them, even like with like a, a small checking account with like 100 bucks. You know, I wouldn't trust him with that. I don't understand why anybody trusts him for anything larger than that. Well, I, I heard uh, beef up security. They're going to hire Bernie Madoff as a consultant to make it a little <laughs> bit more legitimate. Um, although, I guess something I've been thinking about, it's like given all that's out there, why is J.P. Morgan still allowed to trade in gold and silver? I mean, uh Seems like there's enough to say, like, get out or go, like, rig something else. Uh, is that reasonable? Yeah, that's a good question. You, you know, there's been allegations, I think, recently, too, in the industry that uh, that the Department of Justice is now getting J.P. Morgan to somehow, you know, back out of their position and, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, these are all just, I think, speculation. Um I think their comics pile, by the way, rose a little bit recently, so it's not it's not gone down at all. I think it's 163 million ounces, which is, that's over half. I mean, that's almost half of, uh, it's right around half of almost of what's in the comics underlying the entire thing. So, I mean, they're, they're the silver gorilla, essentially. We just don't know exactly of that pile. What is their direct house account, what they own, what, what in London do they own that they've siphoned off of SLV over the last, you know, dozen years or so. Um, we don't know those numbers. And so, there's been people who thought, and I, I, my, and just thinking it through, I mean, they probably have a huge gold position too. I think what they're probably most worried about is just survival, right? I mean, if, if you have a situation where we have banks start failing because of all this bankruptcy phase we're about to go through and the mega banks start failing, the question is, well, which mega banks are going to survive? And um, it's obvious that the Federal Reserve wants to consolidate uh, the banking system. They've been doing it now for a dozen years. 
and I believe they're going to keep doing it. And what you're going to end up seeing is some of these mega banks probably have to merge. And, um, and, and the question is, you know, which will survive and which won't. And uh, my hunch is that JP Morgan, the Goldman Sachs, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they have large gold positions because you know, under the BIS rules, gold is tier one money. I mean, it's essentially just like having a U.S. Treasury or anything like that. And the thing about gold is that in the next five, 10 years, it should, it should go up a lot more in terms of value versus uh, the other tier one uh, currencies and IOUs that uh, some of these banks have on their books. So, you know, the, this is like a longer term question of, I think, what are their what are their aims? You know, what are the hopes? Not merely just in the short term in terms of, uh, you know, profits, but also long term survival for the company itself. And I, I think it goes that deep. I think it goes that far. I mean, it basically goes to how are we going to survive this coming bankruptcy phase and this bank consolidation fest that's about to fall through. I mean, the, look, if they if they come out with Fedcoin, I mean, very soon, I would imagine uh, they'll probably use, uh, you know, free free money tree to uh, to get people to sign up and they'll get these free checks every month. Um, if they come out with that, it's just going to consolidate the banking system even more. And I think what they're trying to do is, is to kill off a lot of these commercial banks some, some way, somehow. And that's, that's, I think what we're staring at is a, uh, is a big change in the way banking works in the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, well, certainly that would be well needed. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm wondering if this is just the plan. Yeah, I, this isn't confirmed, but I heard sources inside the White House said that in case the next stimulus package doesn't work, they're actually, they're, the military is getting Ben Bernanke a helicopter. He's waiting in the backup. Um, James, I don't know if you've heard this, but I finally realized my calling on planet Earth is to make silver figurines in one ounce form in, of your favorite central bankers. So um, hopefully we'll get you that helicopter bend paperweight for your desk soon. Um, at least then maybe you could explain gold and silver to him. And, uh, but again, and perhaps in wrapping up for, I mean, a lot of these things that you mentioned, you know, could be serious if one receives them that way, although I would say it's darn fortunate that, for, that you've mapped all this out on your incredible YouTube channel. And perhaps just before wrapping up, you could let folks know where, if they don't want to get advice from Ben Bernanke about how subprime is contained and actually get some advice that's truthful, actionable, useful, you could have prepared them for the gold and silver bull market. Similarly, how you help prepare me for what's coming so well over these past couple of years. How do they find that? Thanks, Chris. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel that I run for SD Bullion. Just on YouTube, if you just search SD Bullion, you're going to find the channel. Um, it's It's been a, a labor of love. Um, every week, I typically come out with at least one update, sometimes two, um, depending on how how uh, how big the news is and how important the information is. So I try not to um, – I try to make it hard-hitting and, and – and, packed, compact with a lot of information, with a lot of charts, et cetera. So you can press pause and kind of get an understanding of what I'm trying to come across in, in each video. So, um, I, you know, I try not to, to, to dawdle too long on those videos. I want you to come and get a lot of information quick. And, um, and that's, that's the aim. So it's free. If you like videos that are pertaining to gold and silver, come and uh, subscribe and, and check it out. Yeah, especially this one, which I, I think I'm going to watch again. 
after the hanging up here um, where you wondered why uh, 60 Minutes, you know, did the tour with Jamie across the trading desk and uh, maybe they could have jackets of which ones are the spoofers or which ones. So we have on their trading desk, it's funny, I actually interviewed with JP Morgan and all these banks when I was coming out of business school. But of those hundreds of people that are on there, I wonder how many are committing thousands of violations right now as their other traders admitted to in court documents, which fortunately you point out and warn for people. So James, thank you as always, uh, not only for coming on, but for all that you do. Uh, again, before I was doing this, you were one of my favorites for years. It's been a real pleasure and an honor to get to know you. And uh, exciting that we finally have some silver rallies. I'm gonna hope to see you at Silverfest and have you on one of the panels so we can all just jointly celebrate you know, we've, we've all gone through some challenges in the industry these last years, and uh, it's really been a pleasure getting to know you, and I'm going to look forward to celebrating the journey as we go forward. And Chris, I thank, I thank you a lot, and all the listeners out there. I mean, the best is yet to come, so, uh, so, so hang in there. You know, try not to get too emotional or too pumped up or too down. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be up and down climb, but I, I'm pretty confident we're, 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 we're headed to a mania here with precious metals, so... Um, you know, keep your, uh, keep your seat, keep your seatbelts on. Will do James. And we will look forward to checking in with you again soon, my friend. Thank you.